Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. We've been in this series on hearing God, and I think it meets us where we are, no matter what stage of the journey that you're at. You may be first time coming to church, and you're like, hey, I want to know something about God. I'd like to know what God has to say. Uh, You can be like saved for six months. You can actually be a person who has walked with God, maybe got saved when you were a kid. This is one of those topics that all of us have questions about, and all of us are in a journey to growing in our understanding of how God speaks to us because we all want to hear him speak to us. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go a little deeper this week, okay? We're going to go kind of out of the shallow water. We're going to go a little bit into the deeper water this week. If you have your Bibles, Colossians 3.15 is where we're going to go. Now, I want to catch some of you up. By the way, you can go back and watch the messages because why is that important? They build upon one another. So we're, we're building a biblical framework, and, and each step along the way is critically important. So uh, if you've been listening, we, we kind of last week really brought the foundation together, the, the key way that you hear from God. In fact, I gave you an analogy of a boat. My, my friend who lives in Destin, Florida, I've never navigated a boat into the harbor in Destin, but he tells me that when you're coming in, if you want to stay off the rocks, you want to see there's three lights there and you want them to become one. So, so if you get a little bit off and see two lights or three lights left or right, you end up on the rocks. And, and I told you last week, I thought, what an amazing illustration that if you have these three things together, you have a high percentage chance that you're at least doing your part. This is important. You're doing your part to cooperate with God. Number one, foundationally and most important is God's word. We've learned that if you'll build your life on the word of God, that, that, that everything around you may be shifting, you may be trembling. Some of you may today be like, I don't know if this is going to work out. You may be shaking, but the rock never shakes. It, it never trembles. It never, it, it, he is stable. And so we want to build our lives on the word of God. Then we said the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the, the peace of God, the presence of God. See, we don't worship a statue. We don't worship a a God who sort of put the universe into into existence, sort of wound us up and just let it go and said, I'm just going to step back and let it all happen. We have a God who wants to live with us, in us, walk with you. Yes, even at work. Yes, even in your difficult times, his peace, his presence. And third of all, we talked last week about the counsel of the people of God, that, that you can have godly counsel. Now, what I believe about this is there's lots to go around, just very few people listen. Most of the time, we jump from counselor to counselor to counselor till we find somebody that will agree with us. But God will use his people to speak to us. This week, here's what we want to do. We're going into the fifth step, if you will, 
It's a little bit more, less concrete, but I think that you can get what I'm trying to say. We're going to go into that second one, the peace of God. Boy, if I, if I were to say the number one thing that people want today in our busy, stress-filled, challenging lives is that God's peace would come into our lives. And this peace is not an external thing. You have to get this. This isn't, oh, I need to get this and add it to my life. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, so you've got to get this at the very beginning. We're not talking about something that is out there that we pull in. When you receive Christ into your life, it's something in here. We're going to talk about the inner witness being led by the inner witness of the Spirit of God. And I just thought about it this week, like, how do you make a difficult decision? Some of you may be at some medium-level decisions, some moderate decisions, some simple decisions. We make decisions in our lives all the time. What if you got to make a major decision? What if you got a big one coming up, like, If I were to offer to you, of course, the foundational things that we talked about, it's entering into that with the peace of God, that God's peace is present and leading you in to that decision. We're going to talk about this inner witness, the presence and peace of God. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, meaning you want to give peace the badge, like if you're straining and struggling and fighting and, and moving and you're in charge. When the peace of Christ is ruling, he's guiding you outside of you and you possess something. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace. I want us to dig in this, this idea of the inner witness. I think a lot of times, again, it's something that we've got to kind of get our hands on. We know it's in there. It's like, okay, there's this inner witness. I'm going to refer to it in this message and show it to you that it's even deeper than that. It's your conscience. Like like that we have a conscience. We We have an inside of us that we may not pay attention to, but it affects our lives. I thought about a funny story that I was years ago, I think I was 26 years old, I was doing a wedding at a downtown church, like one of the old school churches, like pillars and columns, and I think the stage was like a mile high, and you know, back in the day, we get the stage real high, so we look down on the people, but anyway, so we're way, way up there, you know, and there's like lights and all of this, and there's this big old old school church, and In the rehearsal time, the photographer was just like, they, they, well, let's just say it this way. They didn't know that photography was a part of the wedding, but it wasn't like one of the main acts. It's just a piece. Actually, no one should really know you're there. But the photographer was really into their role. And at the rehearsal, they were interrupting my deal, you know, kind of walking around like, you know, and I'm like, okay. I don't want to be rude here, but I usually work alone. 
Okay, and so just, just all in the way, and the groom was kind of getting upset because it was a friend of his, his about-to-be wife, and he was like, blah, blah, blah. so when we walked out for the time, you know, in the back, we got the groom and the groomsmen, and we're about to go out. Well, I was ribbing him a little bit about maybe the photographer will make an appearance, you know, maybe it's like, quit saying that. So anyway, okay, lights, camera, action. We, we walk out, and then I get started with the introductory remarks and the photographer decides to get a better angle. They go up the side steps. This is back in the old day where you had the piano and the organ. And they had their own little deals. And all of a sudden, I hear a bong. The photographer tripped, banged off of the piano, fell into the choir loft, knocked a candle over. We're thinking, oh, no, the church is going to burn down. It's, a, it's absolute mayhem. Like, and, and, of course, you know, Betsy who leads worship with us, this was years ago, she was leading worship in the back, and she's, <laughs> as the photographer's laying in the choir loft, trying to get her dress up over her head, it was, it was bad, and, and so, the, and the piano's player's playing like this, Brandy's on the front row crying, and in fact, at the reception, the bride said, oh, you cried at my wedding, she's like, I cried all right, but anyway, uh, I, though, as a, as a public speaker, you kind of have this thing that's like if a baby's crying and people are getting up and moving and doing stuff, it's like, I can overcome it. I have it. You know, this is, this is just in your mindset. And I had to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. When I did, just, just trying to believe I could just hold it all together, and I kind of felt confident I could, I opened to 1 Corinthians 13 and I said, First Corinthians chapter 13. <laughs> I, I did what everybody else was feeling, and the crowd just began to bust out in laughter, and we lost the whole wedding. You're like, what's the point? There's an inner witness. You can mentally say, I will not respond that way, but the fact of the matter is sometimes it just comes up and out of you because there's an inner witness. What is that inner witness, well, it's this internal sense. We put it in your guides this week. It's an internal sense of right and wrong. It's, a, it's, it's, again, the Bible compares it to the conscience. But you say, why is this important? Because as a pastor for many years, I, I believe people want to be led by the peace of God. That's the target that they want to hit. In fact, like when, what's what makes big decisions or major moments challenging is because it's like I, I, I'm all frustrated about this and today like fear of failure is big and what if I mess up and what if my life is... So you have this desire to walk into this next season or thing with peace, but what I find is not understanding how God works in our inner witness, we're led by other things. We're led by the wrong things. And you say, well, how would God do it in a right way? Like, how, what are some methods that he speaks in our inner witness? Well, I, I want to give you a few. First of all, he can give you an impression or a nudge. He'll, he'll just, you'll, just, you'll just sense that he's nudging you this way. Now, again, any of these we want to take back to the foundation and measure them by that. If you're like, well, I just felt a nudge to do this. Well, if it doesn't align with the word, then he didn't nudge you. Your flesh may have nudged you. So, but he'll give you an impression. He sometimes can give you a thought. Did you know he'll even give you a picture of something? He'll give you maybe even like a 
little small movie reel of something, like you see something that he's showing you and, and maybe a prophetic word, meaning the spirit of God can speak to us. First Corinthians 12 says that he may speak through someone else as well, that he'll manifest his spirit and give you, one of those is discerning of spirits, words of wisdom. Like what's a word of wisdom? It's God's spirit talking to you practically about a situation, giving you understanding of the situation that you wouldn't have in your natural self. So the spirit of God is active in our lives. A dream, you're like, does God really speak through dreams? Now, I have an active mind, so I dream a lot. I dream a lot, like crazy stuff, just to be honest. I'll, be, I'll wake up, talk in my sleep, walk in my sleep. I may, you know, if I end up at your house one night, just, just help me get back home. You know, I just, I just, you know, I just have an active mind. So I, I'm not, 99% of the time when I have a dream at night is because I ate too much pizza or bluebell too late. But you know, I have had prophetic dreams. I've had dreams to where when I woke up, no, whoa, 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 that was God. Check it with wise counsel. We always, we, we test any message from God. You're like, is that in the Bible? Did you know Joel prophesied, it's in your God this week, there would be a day where the spirit of God is not just poured out on kings and priests and prophets. If you read the Old Testament, these characters in there had these major things where God would speak and do things. And, and the Bible says in Joel that there'll be a day when, it, when that day happened, the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh. You, your children, and all those that are far off will hear from God, so God will speak. I, several years ago, I had a dream, weirdest thing, about a dangerous person. Did you know there's certain people that are dangerous? Like I had a dream about it. It's like five, six years ago. I had this dream. Why? Because shepherds are good with sheep, but they also know how to deal with wolves. And I, I remember just this, this, this thing. I woke up and I talked to some of our leaders and stuff. It's like, did you know God can use these areas? A, a check or a caution. Can, can, I, can I say to you, like, parents... Or, or, or friends or something like, I find myself as a pastor a lot of times, we think we're crazy. It's like, something's off here. There's a check or a caution. Did you know by nature we tend to be like, oh no, it's not. If you have a check about one of your children, you need to explore it. Many times, you're not looking for a reason to be like, hey, something's wrong and more times than not, we tend to acquiesce and pull away from a caution that God's actually giving us. Let's go back to this big decision thing. Some of you are like, man, how do, how do we make better decisions? Well, we have a problem in today's world because we have what's called paradox of choice. We don't have one salad dressing, we have 50 salad dressings, which I don't see why we need any more than ranch, real ranch. Not fat-free ranch. That's not even ranch. This stuff tastes terrible. But, but why do we need anything else? You know, it's like, but we got 50, right? One of the things my kids, one of their, their, you know, they have friends over, right? Let's watch a movie, you know? Well, when we grew up, it was like there were three stations, and you're like, I hope a movie comes on. And then, you know, TV would go off with the national anthem. 
Now they have all these streaming devices and it's really humorous. They're like, let's watch a movie. Get on Netflix. Scroll for 30 minutes. Nothing to watch. It's like we just can't find anything good. Now we did that, but we went to Blockbuster. You just walk around, be like, well, I want to watch that one, but somebody's got it checked out. Y'all know what I'm talking about, 30 minutes. Then you end up in this section of movies, you're like, I didn't even know, these, these aren't even like real. It's like just real old looking stuff. You know, and then you go find, you always feel like you hit the lottery though if you found something you wanted to watch and the guy's like, it's checked out. And then they look in the return bin. Anybody know what I'm saying? Be like, somebody just brought it back 30 minutes ago. You're like, ding, 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 ding. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Be kind, rewind. So there's all these choices now. And what we don't understand is we actually do worse with more options. And so it's like there's all these different challenges. So how do most people make decisions? I've been saying this through this whole series. We like to think of ourselves as analytical, logical, practical, but we're very emotional. We do many times what feels good. Did you know the Bible compares the flesh and the spirit? It says the pleasure of sin is but for a season. It's not that God doesn't have good, but many times what you want can be opposite of God's desire. Feels good, sin. We think we'll lose something. This is major, major, big decision. Man, I, I don't want to lose out. I don't want to miss out. Like the fear of losing out or the fear of missing something can drive your decisions. What we think we need, we compromise to get what we think we have to have, especially if it's in the wrong timing. So one of my statements that I say a lot is whatever you compromise to get, you have to compromise to keep. So, so we end up temporarily thinking we benefited, but in the long run, we miss out on God's best for us. Here's one that I've been guilty of. What we try to get too quick. What we try to get quickly, right? It's like quick actions. This is so important. The flesh drives you. The spirit leads you. So when you let peace lead you, you're not in a hurry. Can I just give you that as a general principle? If somebody says, make a decision, make a decision, you got it, I'll always am backing up. Whoa, 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 whoa. Got to do it today. Got to do it. The sale will run out. Only today, only today will we throw in all the utensils and everything. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And you start feeling the pressure. The Bible says in Hebrews 6.12, through faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. Most of the great things in my life I didn't obtain, God brought them as I continued to follow him. You're saying, okay, Jeff, we don't want to do that. We don't want to be led these ways. What do we do? What is this inner witness or conscience? Is that in the Bible? Well, I just listed a few verses so you can get this concept in your mind. Follow these with me. Romans 8, 16 says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Okay, so this inner witness bears witness with the Spirit. Romans 2.15, I love it. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts. So a lot of people think this is an external religion of do's and don'ts. Actually, no, what, the, what God wants to do is he 
writes his word on your heart, and it's not, oh, I need to do that, it's I want to do that because I know God is good and he's leading me to it. He writes it on their hearts. Their consciences bear witness with it. Their thoughts sometimes accusing them and at other times even defending them. So our, our conscience, by the way, is like you're using inner witness and conscience. I see the connection in scripture, okay? Our conscience, we kind of like, okay, I, I pretty much know what that is. Sometimes things are easier to describe than explain. Your conscience is kind of like too, like my car, the seat vibrates when I get out of the, it's really bad when you're backing up a boat or something. Y'all remember when you're driving down the road and you get on those, it's like, well, let me use one that, how many of y'all have ever heard the ding for the seatbelt and ignored it? Be honest in church. Ding, ding, ding. Then it pauses for like three or four seconds. You're like, it's going to leave me alone. I'm busy. I'm eating. I'm texting. I'm Don't do that. But anyway, we, we. ding, ding, it starts back up. Your conscience is one of those things where you think, oh, I'm okay. But it starts dinging again. Ding, 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 ding. Paul, coaching his spiritual son Timothy, said it this way. The goal of this command is love. Not law, but love. The goal is love, which comes from a pure heart. So in other words, in decision-making and in God's kingdom, motives matter. Pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. An authentic faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. One way you can tell, you're like, what do I know if my kids are struggling in their conscience? Listen to what they say. Listen to how much they say it. Because most of the time when we're busy talking, we're a lot of times defending something that's on the inside that needs to change. But when you're walking in the peace of God, there's not the need for meaningless talk or defense. Look what he tells them, a pure heart, a good conscience, a sincere faith. Not everyone is willing to live this way, but I will say this, the more we move toward that topic and that place, then we begin to have a better palate, if you will, for decision-making. Holding on to faith, a good conscience. Some have rejected the ding, ding, ding and have suffered shipwreck in their faith. There's generally a lot of times a swirling conflict in our lives when we have conscience issues. And so Paul is talking to Timothy, which the Holy Spirit is talking to us. I will tell you this, every time I have violated what my inner witness and conscience in the Spirit, I've always regretted it. I've done it. I've, I've added team members. I know you may not be in charge of managing people. I've, I've done, oh, we need this, or we got to get there, or we, man, we'll be. And every time I've ever said, oh, let's do this because we need this, or we got to, or God wouldn't be able to move if we don't, and I have ding, ding, ding. Every time I overlook it, I regret it. I, I want to encourage you again. More times than not, you're actually more right than you think. But you're like, oh, I'm crazy. I'm cra uh, there's, there's if, you have, if you have your heart in the right place, you have your conscience in the right place, you have your spirit in the right place, more times than not, God's actually speaking. But sometimes we just plow ahead. And the hardest thing is 
when you want to help someone else with a big decision. You can see it when they're plowing past the barriers. My oldest kids, each of them a few years ago, my daughter got married, my son bought a house, they both bought a house, and my daughter decided that she was going to get an above-ground pool. Just one of these kind of put together, put the water hose in it kind of deal. And, and, and so then she got one, so she told her brother, you need to get one. And they, they were telling me how excited they were about their above-ground pool. I was like, you know, sometimes you have to discern whether you should tell them how it's going to work out or just let it work out. <laughs> this is not a good idea. Oh, we love it. It's excited. They had one Saturday. It was festive. But you see, they don't have any money, so they can't take care of the pool, right? So it turned into a duck pond in two or three weeks, you know? And then they're just putting the axe in the side of it, flooding out the green water into their neighbor's yard, tearing everything down. And it's like sometimes we can so easily see it, but not everybody's willing to cooperate with God's plan. I want to talk to you a little bit about this conscience. Two thoughts really quick that will help you with it. First of all, this question of this, this conscience. You're like, why are we talking about the conscience and the inner witness? God does the speaking. Jesus is the peace. Our job is the conscience or atmosphere from which he works. So you begin to ask, what does the Bible say about our conscience? Some of you may not have studied the conscience, and I know I'm giving you a little more list in this one because, again, it's a little harder to get a hold of. Here's some places the Bible says your conscience can be. First of all, it can be stricken or guilty. I've given you several references. You can go to the Bible, to to our Milestone app, and you can go to the Bible yourself and study these if you're like, hey, I think I'm in that place. One of my favorite emojis is the big eyes. You did what? Sometimes we feel the big eyes. You did what? It's because you, 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 you violated your conscience. And a guilty conscience is tormenting. That's why the Bible gives us a way to get over the conscience. I'm convinced of this. Why does the enemy even want to get us into sin? So that it violates our conscience and robs us from the boldness so that we can continue to come to God to get the help that we need. The bad news is we sin. The good news is he forgives. The bad news is we make a bad choice, but the good news is you can get back on track with him through the proper means of confessing it to someone else or dealing with it. So a a, a guilty conscience, a weak or defiled conscience, meaning you can damage your conscience. Like you you can get your conscience damaged over a series and a set of events that actually begins to wound that conscience, which makes it not as sensitive. You can, this is heavy, but it's in the Bible, 1 Timothy 4, 2, you can sear your conscience. Every time you say, that's what I should do, I'm not going to do it, and you deceive yourself, you you can sear. This is what narcissistic people have. You're like, I I see these people, it's like, really? That's what happens when you violate your conscience over and over and over. If you sear a piece of steak, it's very hard to unsear it. So you can sear your conscience. You can corrupt your conscience with unbelief and with with a mindset. The Bible talks about a corrupted conscience. But here's the goal. A clear conscience. A clear conscience is not a perfect person. It's an authentic person. It's a sincere person. It's a person who's willing to be open and honest and not ignore those things in their lives. So you're saying, I thought we were talking about hearing God. I am. 
God speaks. God's a communicator. Our deal is to keep our faith and our hearts in a place of purity before him so that we are able to hear him. You're like, okay, I want a clear conscience. How do you keep a clear conscience? How do you keep yourself in a place, right, that, that, is, that is easily led by the Spirit and easily open to wise counsel? A person pursuing peace, not all the other methods that most people use. First of all, your eyes. What you look at, what you focus on, this is why this has been so damaging to our culture. This has been so damaging. Because most of what you're looking at is not good for your spirit. And most of what you're trying to say is not good for everybody else's spirit. You think it is, but it's not. The Bible says the lamp of the body is the eye. If the eye is clear, the whole body is full of light. But if the eyes get dark, the whole body, it actually says, how great is that darkness? There are things you should not look at. There are things you should not absorb. And by the way, just because you can doesn't mean you should. There are certain things for some of you, it's like, man, I deal with fear all the time. Why do you watch horror movies? Why do you read books that have to do with fear? Why do you focus on things that continue to bring that back into your life? The Bible doesn't just talk about the eyes. The Bible talks about the ears. What you hear impacts your conscience. In fact, over and over and over, if you really read the New Testament and you study the, the whole message of Jesus, he was consistently talking about, do you have ears to hear? Can you hear what? Do you, have, you, have you got yourself in a place where your heart is hardened, where you can't listen? It's important. Jesus is like, I'm giving you truth, but your ears, the gates is what I call them. Your eyes and your ears are gates. So you have to keep gates there. It's why it's important who you're around, who you listen to. We learned this last week. Who you listen to, whether it's on here or it's right here, will influence your decision-making process. It will affect you. I would hope, that's why I'm doing this from the stage, you'd get some people around your life that go, hey, 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 just chill out. Get your heart right. Just be in the right place with God. God's okay. It's okay. Don't be driven. Be led by the Spirit. God sought something good. You're not going to lose out. Just work on your heart. Keep your spirit right. That's what I find myself counseling to people all the time. Hey, hey, calm, calm down. Calm. Whoa, 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 whoa. God's in charge. It's going to be okay. Our hearts, our appetites, our desires, okay? You're like, how else do you keep your conscience? How do you do that? You confess when you make mistakes. The Bible talks about there's a healing when we confess to one another even and be like, hey, here's where I'm at, there's a healing that takes place. You're only as sick as your secrets. So when you're able to be open, then there's this, this heart place that, that begins to get changed. A lot of times people who are harsh or short-tempered or ill-willed, a lot of times that's a mask for their own heart issues that need to be dealt with. I'll give you all, I'm going to end with this and then I'm just going to have a prayer time for you, Okay. I want us to all this weekend, every campus, every place, just have our own moment. I want to give you a gift. Nowhere else are you going to go in culture than the church of Jesus Christ where they're going to say, how's your heart? How's your soul? How's your conscience, man? Let's just have this inner witness. It's kind of like I think of, it's like make sure the antenna has good receptivity because, I mean, the sound wave is there. Did y'all know this on your book, by the way, Hearing God, that little thing across the book is actually the sound wave is 
the words hearing God on the book. I just thought you'd be really fascinated by that. How many of you know the sound waves are there? What, what do we do? We're not God, but we can say, Lord, I want to keep my heart right. I want to have a pure heart, a sincere faith. I want to keep my conscience good. I just want to be right there. And here's how I tell it to my kids. I said this to one of my kids this week. Well, Dad, you know, they, it's, by the way, it's a privilege for them to call and ask your advice. It's a privilege. And we talk through it, and what about that, and this scenario, and that, and we're talking through, and I said, here's what I know. I'm going to give it to you. Y'all ready? Here's what I know. Stay humble and holy, and you're on a head-on collision for something great. You're like, Pastor, does that mean I won't ever have trouble? Not a guarantee, No. But I know this, my God is good. And no matter what I face, ultimately in the end, I win anyway because I have him. And over time, what am I going to do? Can I analyze and figure out and make every single scenario fit my desires? No, I cannot. Can I control my whole life? No. There's an element outside of me. Do I want to be led by God's voice? Yes, I do. So what can I do? Stay humble. Stay holy. I'm on a head-on collision for something good. I don't know what it is. But God's going to meet me right out there somewhere if I'll just stay humble and holy. Let's stand on our feet together everywhere, no matter where you're at. I want to take a few moments here. I want to ask everybody, unless it's an emergency, not to move for just a minute. And let's, let's just, let's just, let me give you a gift for a moment just to kind of think about where you are, right? We're like, man, I want to hear from God. But remember, we want, to, we want to have our conscience in a place. We want, to, we want to have that inner witness tuned in to what he has to say. There's some of you, you need to know this. God will speak to you. He will draw you. But there's no replacing surrendering your life to Jesus because then he comes to live on the inside of you and he lives with you and he's in you, not outside drawing you to him. So if your first step is, by the way, if you say, man, I really want peace in my life, it's to surrender to Jesus. I'm going to ask everybody just to bow their heads. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, just start with Jesus. I give you my life. I surrender myself to you. I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the dead. I want you to be my Jesus, my Lord, my Savior. And if you accepted him, I'm going to ask you to let us know. Come to our first step in our grow track. Come forward at the end of the service. Let someone pray for you. You need to tell someone when you pray to receive Christ because the Bible says you're now a baby and you need some people around your life to help you take steps. But I want to talk to maybe somebody else. You say, Pastor Jeff, I'm saved, but... Like my, my conscience is not in a good place. Maybe you have injured your conscience. Maybe you have a sin. Maybe you have a attitude, a lifestyle, a something there that's just like, man, if I'm really honest, it's like I need to, I need to have a cleansing. <laughs> well, right where you are, you can just simply say, Jesus, I want to ask your forgiveness. I want to open my life up to you. And you know, the enemy's tool is to lie so, so there's this lie that God's not good or his way's not better. And I believe maybe there's some of you right now that are in a place where it's just like you, you're going to have to make a shift in your life that may require a hard choice. I, I, want, I want every person, every campus to listen to me right now. This is important. Everybody, every head bowed. So, so, so important. 
with God, even when you make hard choices, even though they're hard and it's okay to be struggling and have a challenge, or when you choose Him or even get challenged by choosing Him, He'll lead you by His peace. His peace is still there even in those moments. So, so maybe some of you maybe need to come forward and receive prayer at your small group this week. You need to open up with some of your friends and go, hey, I, I, I want you guys to pray for me. My conscience is in this place. Somebody listening to me, maybe you're in a career decision, young people, a college decision, a, a decision about your future. Maybe it's a job or a moving situation. Can I encourage somebody with this as well? We live in such a mobile culture and God does move people, okay? I'm not saying he moved people in the Bible. But let me give you a little wisdom for a minute. Just a financial increase cannot be the only decision for why to move your life and your family. Because I know so many people in many years of pastoring who make a financial choice that ends up damaging their family, their friends, others, relationships. Be holistic in your deciding process of how you make decisions. I want to say to some young people, God can still work even if you don't go to the main college of your choice or have the lifelong friends at that college. There's this mirage that it's like it has to all be this way for me to hit the target of God in my life. Lord, I ask you right now, I just pray, someone with a career decision, a job decision, a school decision, Lord, we just, we let you lead us by peace. You, 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 you. Lord, we are going to stay humble, holy, and you are going to lead us. We're not going to be anxious and worried and afraid. Maybe somebody here has a family decision, someone you love or a certain situation. Lord, we, we ask you for your peace in that. The decision about a, a, a key thing within our families, Lord. We thank you that you love our families more than we do, and we let you lead us by peace, by your word, but by your presence as well. Maybe there's somebody here with a health decision as well. Maybe you're in a big decision around your health. I, I know somebody that's at one of our campuses, in fact, that's, that actually this week was asking for advice regarding some major medical things and, and just saying, I want to have wisdom about these decisions that I have to make. I want you to know and everybody to know, God, I thank you. If there's someone here in a health-based decision, Lord, we, we trust we trust your hand. We, we, we step into your plan, your provision in this area of our lives. And finally, Lord, we, we want to stay humble, stay holy, stay, stay in a pure heart. Holy doesn't mean we're perfect. It means we're set apart. And we're not set apart in our holiness. We're set apart by you. So you've set us apart for your work that you want to do in us. Lord, we thank you today that as we keep that inner witness conscience place in a place where you can speak to us, Lord, you're doing amazing things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.